Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring car and bikes if it has wheels and an engine and they keep score it's on midweek motorsport good evening it's just after eight o'clock on a wednesday here in the uk what an odd day it's been today. We've had sunshine. We actually started here in the middle of England with uh, fog at about 7 o'clock this morning. That burned off. Then we had a bit of sunshine, which meant I could have breakfast outside. We've had thunder and lightning and showers and rain. And now it's a beautiful evening outside the studio window. Up in London, it's raining again. Tim Greer. Not just raining. This is torrential rain this is the heaviest rain we've had for months um, oh we had we had rain so heavy last night it cut out the satellite signal uh, it probably is doing that here but we're not using satellites <laughs> for this program so I don't care uh, uh, <laughs> not, not like European <laughs> Le Mans says series the t- say, says the uh, or DTM uh, says the technician amongst it on a pack show tonight Tim what do we have uh, we have all the usual features including the return of uh, some favourites we haven't had for a while uh, Shay Adam will be Deal joining the century us. news in Spanish oh very favourite oh Shay Adam and uh, football Nick, and football Nick scores yeah. um, are we going to have football scores as well we might do a big interview. Nil-nil, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but well done to Aston Villa. Uh, big interview is with Andy Prio, who uh, has retired. He hasn't. He's now going to grow old gracefully. He hasn't. I spoke to him earlier this week when we were setting this up, and he said, don't let Tim Gray say I've retired like he keeps doing with Johnny Morlam. Johnny Morlam is also retired. He <laughs> Actually, Johnny was on the phone earlier today as well. He absolutely hasn't retired. He went for a seat fitting yesterday in Corby. So he's absolutely uh, not retired. We need to get Martin on the phone and ask him if he's retired yet. (laughs) Shall we do some parish notices? Yes. I'm going to switch my microphone off for this because I think you can hear the rain over the top of me. I can't. I actually can. Hang on. Hang on. Just saw the listener fade down the the bed. It's the sound of rain in South London at our main control room uh, for for Midweek Motorsport and for Radio Show Limitless. Uh, here's how it is on Specutainment. Stephen Gardner says, should be listening live, but you're competing against the return of English football, he said. And he should be familiar with driving the real one of these, finished the model of the 2016 Ford GTLM that won the Mons. Not his car, of course, absolutely. Hello to Mickey Heth, who... Spotted a great, um, a great story in the uh, Chronicle, the Newcastle Chronicle, 
um, earlier on today about a young female carter who we've commentated on turning her old cart tyres into flower pots of various uh, various designs for uh, local uh, old people's homes, which is great. She's fantastic. Hello to Vizcard. Uh, hello to who's listening tonight. Uh, also to A110GE to Brody. No AFAs tonight. Hope this dose of motorsport doesn't see a rain delay. I like a certain oval based series. Hello to Miles Cook to Livingston Segonda who's excited for this weekend. We will be talking about the 24 hours in the French countryside. Uh, catch you in a bit, he says, for Midweek Motorsport, baking a chocolate cake for our son Matthew's seventh birthday. But I will be tuning in. Right turn lover. Uh, spending evening with his mum for the first time since February. RTL, that's absolutely the right thing to do. And as you rightly say in your tweet to AdSpectUtainment, you'll always have the podcast. We'll always have the podcast. Always. Uh, Streetzilla, EFAs, as ever, hopefully asleep and listening to the podcast on my drive to work on Friday. Been busy racing the 87 Monte Carlo at Rockingham tonight in iRacing. Then e-commentary duties later on. I presume you don't mean the Rockingham just up the road because that's close now. Uh, as Sir Dirty Uncle Kevin settling in for this week's spectatainment. Uh, as I won't be working till maybe next year. No EFAs for a while. Uh, assuming I remember my time differences. Neil Gardner sketching the Boxster. Uh, thinking of a name for my latest VW Caddy. Uh, last one was Philip, um, uh, was Pippa Van, as in Pippa Man, very good. Uh, he's collecting it on Friday. He's thinking about Vanina for Vanina X or another racing driver that I can link to a VW Caddy camper van. Uh, I'd spec your team and see if you can help him out. Matt and Dean. Uh, hello, Matt. Collecting the new motorsport play car, which looks like a Golf Mark 5 or Mark 4 in that picture. It's on the trailer, uh, albeit missing uh, a couple of uh, wheel trims. Uh, Oliver Giles, productive evening ahead, studying and listening to Midweek Motorsport while watching the mighty Arsenal. That'll be on in this house as well. Uh, chicken wine tonight, <laughs> says Carol Brink. La Vie FM. It's a super wine. Is it red, white or rosé, Carol, in Monterey? Alexander Orkin. Chicken and chips with mushrooms in garlic butter on a bed of watercress. No AFAs. Dave Alcock is tuned in. Serafina Chu. Uh, any comment on the 24 hours virtual last weekend? We'll be talking about the 24 hours uh, this weekend with CEO of Racebot TV, which is uh, Will Vincent. And I'm sure... He'll mention that as well. Dave, uh, sorry, Spoonerman Orange, looking forward to the show. Jill's out of bridge. Uh, work calls, so dipping in and out, but I'll catch up on the podcast and get the caffeine in for the weekend. Great lineup says slow past, but my new schedule has been working Wednesday afternoons, so podcast for me for a while. However, our store manager is a cult fan, so I hear that. Big motorsport theme a couple of times a week here in Oklahoma. Excellent. The Rain Line tuned in as well. Stuck with a conference call. Patrick Drawn is tuned in though. Phil, say Phil, tuned in. Thanks for the IMSA virtual race last Thursday. And other, all the other fortnightly Thursday events started at City. Very interesting uh, series. Much better than I expected. Chris Suku, Daniel Layslip, Rob Jana, and Nick 
Holland, Jeff Doughty, Kevin Payne, Jack Martin. Not raining here. Doing the motorsport photography book at the moment as you listen to the show. Sarah Rigby. Hello, Sarah. Hope you and Martin are good. Uh, and Scott Third Wheel. And that will bring us to our top story, which is a midweek motorsport exclusive. Play the jingle, Tim. No need to shuffle those papers tonight. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. And our top story of Midweek Motorsport tonight is some fantastic news for IMSA and from some good friends of ours uh, from IMSA Radio as well. We'll speak to Spencer Pompelli in a moment. But as the story is just breaking now, thanks to both of our guests for coming on and making this an exclusive. Rob Ferriol, welcome to Midweek Motorsport. I'm not even going to do this. It's only fair. You guys have put the hard work in. Tell us the good news, please. Oh, yeah, we've got great news, John. So I'm excited to announce that Spencer and I will be expanding not only our efforts in IMSA, but also our partnership with Audi by launching an Audi R8 LMS GT3 entry in this year's IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship GT Daytona class. That is great news in such a difficult time for everybody, and we know how hard this situation is. It's not just that, though, because you're not going away from Michelin Pilot Challenge either. We are not. We will be running uh, both cars, double dipping, so to speak. (laughs) So, Spencer, that's extra work for you as well. And I've known you long enough to know that, frankly, if I asked you to drive in every single race over the weekend, you'd be absolutely delighted. So you must be really pleased about this. I am very excited. You know, you're right. I've spent a lot of time doing both the Michelin Pilot Challenge Series and the GTD series, so this should get me back to normal, at least as much as we can in these days and ages of COVID. I, I, I've got to ask you, Rob, um, in, in, in a situation where so many people are taking a long, hard look at their commitments and potentially even scaling back, why is this, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not criticising <laughs> it, but why is this the right time to expand? I know you've harboured some hopes and expectations to get into the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. But why why now? And, and what's what's made, helped you make that decision? Well, I, ironically enough, John, uh, you know, the last four months of, of kind of pandemic shutdown has, has given us an opportunity to continue maturing our own internal program with the team as well as the GT4 program. And, you know, we, we had a discussion about this earlier in the season before it kick, got kicked off. And, we you know, we looked at really targeting 2021 for, you know, a, a potential move into GT, GTD. But what the shutdown allowed us to do is just to continue refining the team internally, you know, testing, maturing the program, um, bonding as a team and really getting procedures in place. So, you know, when the opportunity came up um, relative uh, – few short weeks ago um it, it was a, a pretty quick decision you know we, we took a couple hours to bat it around he said you know what we're, we're in a lot different place now than we were six months ago and uh it's a good opportunity for us but it's also good for the sport it's good for the series it's good for imza you know let's get another car out there we, we you know we have the, the the unique opportunity to be able to do it so so let's do it I'd like to talk to you in a moment, Rob, about Team Hardpoint, which which is the team involved here, which is a relatively new entity. But Spencer, if I can come to you for a moment, um, I, I've got to say, 
you two guys going into this and for many weekends doing double duty, we know how competitive Michelin Pilot Challenge is, but it's not as if the GT Daytona category of the WeatherTech Championship is a cakewalk either. That's another shark pool, sir. Yeah, it definitely is. But, you know, when I met Rob for the first time, he was racing in the Porsche's Cup. And, you know, I hop in and out of these cars a lot, doing all the different coaching and driving that I do. Of all the cars I drive, that's got to be the most difficult car there is to drive. It doesn't have ABS. Yeah. It's very touchy. And Rob was very, very quick in that car to the point where, you know, I'd go through a data lap down in the beginning of the weekend. And a lot of times he would embarrass me come qualifying. So um, <laughs> I know he's got the skill and the pace. He got a taste of the GT3 car when we did the uh, international motorsports game at Vallelunga in Rome back in, I think that was September, which uh, was a lot of fun. So I know he's up to the challenge of the GT3 car. And uh, I think this is a natural progression. You know, the opportunity grows. Um, we've got the team in place. So hopefully this will uh, just continue our, you know, steep ramp up uh, the learning curve here and we might be able to occasionally find some success. Oh, I I would be very surprised if you two didn't. Uh, twice a runner-up in that Porsche, the IMSA GT3 Cup Challenge uh, by Yokohama, uh, Rob. So clearly everything that Andy's saying is absolutely spot on. You've got a very smooth driving style. Was was that International Motorsport Games in Vallelunga, was that in some ways a catalyst for you to take a harder look at the GT3 machinery? I think it was, you know, and, and Spencer will tell you, I was, I was probably a little nervous going into it, uh, having not sat in a GT3 car, much less driven one, um, or, you know, in Europe for that matter. But, uh, yeah, it was a good opportunity in a, a, a really neat environment to, to kind of test out the GT3 car, and, and I, I really enjoyed it. I think uh, the GT3 car brings, uh, brings together some parallels from, you know, from my experience in the cup with, you know, kind of the speed and the rawness of the car, but then also brings in some parallels from the, from the GT4. Um, so I, I think it's a good mix of the two cars. Uh, and tell me about the team, about Hardpoint. It's, as I said, it's relatively new, formed only back in 2018, but clearly stepping up to a two-car program in two separate series. You must have total confidence there. I do. I have confidence in the guys and girls on the team. You know, that, that, that was kind of the, the very first thing I did when, when I decided we were going to kind of chart our own path and, and, and determine our own outcome was look at the people involved and, and bring together the right people that have the right mindset to work as a team. And, you know, drawing on my own experiences in the military, my experience, you know, running a, a, a larger company, um, you know, it's always about the people. So, hmm. you know, we, we looked at that first. That was the first thing we worked out. And then we started bolting everything else together. Um, but, yeah, short period of time. Uh, no one's ever accused me of being timid. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's not completely out of the normal. But, uh, but yeah, we're, we're excited. I think, uh, I think we have the right bones in place. And, and we're going to use this year to uh, start packing some meat on. And we should say it's not as if you've been sitting around, uh, Rob, because – during this lockdown area, you've started uh, something that I I think is a brilliant idea, the um, non-profit charity uh, looking after uh, weekend warriors, if you will, race crew members who clearly couldn't earn any income in the, the last three and a half months. How's that gone? It's gone really well. I think uh, we've, 
we're, we're going to pay a couple grants out this week. Uh, we're up to about 50 grants that we've paid out since we started this on March 27th. Good for you. Um, it's been an extremely rewarding and humbling uh, use of my time the last the last few months. Um, you know, part of this this whole hard point kind of brand system that we've we've put together is it's, it's really you know it's really about promoting sports car racing and, and yeah. promoting the sport and, and and getting people not just aware of the sport outside of our own community but getting more people in it and and hopefully keeping people in the sport longer and so you know that what we did with the foundation is really a, a natural extension of of this philosophy of kind of leaning in to sports car racing uh, not just in the u.s but around the world so i saw you know, early on when the, when the pandemic hit, you know, we were gearing up, getting ready to go down to uh, Sebring, and it, you know, came to a screeching halt. And you know, my first reaction, obviously, is to look internally to to Team Hardpoint and make sure that that we can you know, keep everybody whole until it's time to go racing again. But then, you know, I started thinking about the paddock writ large, and you know, the way the race economy works and mm -hmm. that structure you mentioned about the weekend warriors. And I said, Hey, you know, we've got capacity over here with Hardpoint outfitters to, to crank out some, some apparel. So it started with apparel sales. Uh, and then we added in the, uh, the donation element once, once the, the demand started to kick up. No, it's been, a, it's been absolutely uh, wonderful. And clearly we're not back to full quote unquote normality yet so we wish you all the best in that Let, let's drag you back to the racing side of things spencer it's not that far away now uh, for the resumption as it is of the imza weathertech sports car championship we're off to daytona uh, for what for me looks like the recreation of the old paul revere event fourth of july saturday night into the into the evening at least even if it's not into the darkness uh that's going to be a very different feel to Daytona than when we're normally there in January. Well, yeah, the two biggest things are going to be the heat, for sure. <laughs> That's going to affect the car, the drivers, and the crews that have to you know, maintain the cars. And then, you know, on top of that, we're going to have new things with the social distancing and some of the protocols of getting in the racetrack and having to wear masks and taking precautions and kind of looking out for each other. And then we'll also be somewhat isolated, too. I don't think we're going to have the free movement amount the paddock that we're used to having. But the other thing is, you know, we're going to have a really short weekend. Yeah. It's going to be uh, unload, do one practice, and then spend the day on Saturday getting ready for the race and racing. So uh, it's going to reward those teams that are ready to go and have done some work on the off on the off season during the break here to stay sharp. And uh, if you get rusty at all, you don't have any time to kind of catch mm. up. So. We'll be under a lot of pressure, and I think it's, uh, you know, Daytona is a fairly forgiving track. Uh, it's six real turns. It's not like, you know, Le Mans where you have 20 fast corners to go through. <laughs> uh, so hopefully it'll be a nice way to kind of ease back into it. But we have a lot ahead of us uh, for Daytona for sure, and then coming up for Sebring, it'll be our first time we're actually pulling the double duty yes. and doing both. So we got a little bit of a challenge, but we're ready. Uh, are you... How do you feel, Spencer, about um, two different versions of the same car? And how do you think, well, Yeah, I, I, Rob's still faded up, so he, he might jump in and disagree with you here. But how do you think Rob's going to cope with this? Because when you did the International Motorsport Games, it wasn't 
I don't know why it wouldn't be with an Audi, but it wasn't with an Audi. Uh, you've you've been used to GT4 uh, um, Audis, um, and jumping in between the two, are there enough differences to remind you and and Rob in particular? No disrespect, Rob, but you know slightly less uh, less experience there. Remind you both that you're in a different car. That's a very good question. You know, I, I don't think I can remember running the same version mm. of a car. I mean, I've done a lot of things, you know, be racing maybe a Cayman one weekend in a 911. Yes. In, in the GTD, but I can't, I can't remember the last time or if I ever did this particular version. And I've always said the bigger the differences in the car, the actual easier it is, not yes. the harder. Because you, you're reminded right away that this is a different approach to this corner and the break point's going to be a lot different. But when the car starts to sound the same, feel the same, um, you know, the steering wheels feels the same, the, the visuals look the same, the engine notes the same. It sometimes can be easy to forget which one you're in. And if there's subtle differences in, say, where you break, it's easy to get it wrong and find yourself uh, going through the weeds. So, um, <laughs> Well, the I, reason I asked that was because the new EMG GT4 borrows a lot of the interior from the GT3, and yet they're very different cars, particularly in, in the amount of air roll and, and the way you drive them through the corners. Typically, a GT4 uh, is a little bit more momentum through the corners, trying to keep it up, and you haven't got the air roll so much. But the GT3s, it's nail the brakes all the way up to the apex and then hammer it back out again. So it can be a completely different driving style. Yeah, it can be, and I'll, I'll let you know exactly how that all works out <laughs> after I've done it. But here's the thing, you know, with Rob... Uh, I always say that the more new cars you drive, the better you get at learning the next one. Totally. So learning cars is a learning is a learned process. And now Rob's been in several different types of Porsches. He's been in the Ferrari. He's driven the GT4 Audi now. So uh, he's gotten better at adapting. And I think the GT3 car has some advantages for a driver who's unfamiliar. Yes. Uh, it, things happen quickly in it for sure, which is going to be way different than the GT4 car where I feel like I'm waiting all the time when I drive it. But it's also very direct, so it's very easy to get the feedback from the car, and I think that'll be to his and my advantage. And Rob, are you going to have a chance to test before you go to this ex excruciatingly truncated weekend where basically <laughs> you'll roll off the truck, have a chance to have a couple of laps, and then basically be into qualifying in the race? So a bit of testing in the GT3 before then, or does the current circumstances preclude that? We are working through that now. Um, <laughs> We would like to, uh, at the very least, get you know get a, a bit of a shakedown run. Um, we have a test scheduled for the GT4 that was already on the calendar, so we'd like to be able to get the car shaken down um, at least you know once or twice before we show up uh, in Daytona. But we'll, we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and how has been dealing with Audi Sport Customer Racing in the US, Tristan and the, and the guys from up in? in dc um how's it been working with them obviously you've got a relationship with them for the gt4 it's been fantastic um that, that was a, a i don't want to say a nervous item of mine when 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 we made the transition into gt4 but you know coming from a manufacturer that i'd you know been involved with and familiar with for a couple of years at that point uh moving to a new one was you know i had a little bit of anxiety through you know through the unknown but you know from day one even last year when we were just testing the car out in a, in a couple of the, the Michelin Pilot Challenge races, they have been phenomenal. You know, from, from Tristan up, up at the top to uh, Andy and, and Sean and the engineering team, they've been fantastic. I mean, I think we, we are in weekly communication and have been all through the offseason into this year, the downtime. 
Um, and then now with the with the GTD program, that's just you know it's just increased that that level of support and interaction. So I'm super pleased with Audi and, and, and really excited to to bring on another car and 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 see how this season goes and frankly just get this season going. I I think Amen from a lot of people uh, to that. Final thought from you, Spencer. Of course, the problem that we've got now, and this happens, this is going to happen for all of us on on either side of the fence. We've now got to get a season longs racing into approximately four and a half, maybe five, five months. And therefore, actually doing what you guys are doing, if you are going to double up, doubling up with the same sanctioning body is actually probably a really sensible thing to do. Yeah, it seems like it. Now, keep in mind, I'm also racing in some other series. So exactly, that's my I, point. I don't yeah. think I don't think my wife is going to see me till mid-November once this season gets started again. Um, and but uh, and of course, you can't bring the kids to the races anymore either because of the the limitations on yeah, entries. So uh, it'll be tough uh, away from the track. I think I think this is going to be a tough season for everyone in a lot of ways. But uh, I think you know after two three months of not racing, there's going to be nothing better than getting back into it and getting ready to mix it up and. You know, to do it with someone like Rob and our team, the guys that we have together, makes me uh, really excited and eager to get back on track and get going. Thank you very much for joining us, Spencer. Rob, I, I, I can only doff me my cap to you, my virtual cap at the moment, as I've got head, headset on while I'm I'm talking here on, on Midweek Motorsport. You have tackled your motor racing ever since I've seen you in a very structured and, and might I say, sensible way you're doing something and representing an awful lot of people who would do exactly the same as you if they had the opportunity and a modicum of your talent. Well done for bringing us some good news. Uh, Spencer Pumpelli, Rob Furriel, thanks for joining us, mate. Thank you, John. Thanks. See you. Well, Shay Adam joins us now. Good evening, Shay. Hello, Tim. Uh, How are you doing out there? I'm good, yes. The rain has stopped here now, and uh, I think the storm has cleared away for good because I've heard helicopters going over and they wouldn't fly into a storm. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, this is uh, obviously a good news story, Shay, but if I play devil's advocate for a moment, they haven't got a lot of uh, pilot challenge experience between them. Is it too early to be going into GTD? Well, for Rob Ferriel, he got three pilot challenge starts last year. BIR was the debut for both he and the team where they brought the car home in 13th. It was a good race. We talked about them running at the front of the field, which I'm sure John remembers. But then they came to WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca and the final round of the championship at Road Atlanta, where they finished fourth in both of those races. Now, Keep in mind, you've got a driver in the caliber of Spencer Pompelli who won the ST championship just a few years ago, driving with Nick Galante. He's been in GS for quite some time now. He's finished runner-up in that championship too. So he's very familiar with the way the series works, the way that the cars work, the competition, everything as far as that goes. For Rob, it is a big learning curve because going into Pilot Challenge was a big learning curve. Now taking another step up, it's going to be even harder when you go play with the big boys up in GTD, the big boys and girls, I should say. Now you're looking at an opportunity where he's going to be getting tons of seat time every weekend. Mm. It's a fantastic opportunity for them, and I think it's the right move. I, I, I like the fact that Spencer made the point, though, that you know a, a Porsche Cup car with no traction control, no ABS, is actually quite a difficult car to drive. A GT4 and possibly a GT3 dare I say it, might be a slightly more 
driver-friendly proposition. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, the hardest thing for him, like Spencer was uh, just mentioning, flipping back and forth between the two cars, there's no big distinguishing feature when you're behind the wheel as yes. to which one you're in. So that's going to be the hardest uh, remembrance point for both of them. But I really like this from an Audi perspective too, because coming out of Daytona, Lamborghinis were one and two. And yes, they were the only two that finished on the lead lap. But the third place car was an Audi, which means that they are currently second in the manufacturer's championship. They now have a full-time car. They didn't have that before this announcement came out. So we're now looking at 10 manufacturers in GTD. I'm thinking we're going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of about 13 GTD cars come the Daytona race on the July 4th weekend. If we have 13 cars and 10 of them are each different individual manufacturers, yeah. that's phenomenal. And with, you know, sadly, we reported last week uh, share on the fact that uh, Pullman Racing won't be at the first couple of races in yeah. Florida. I I reckon that means that if you take those two drivers out of out of this the point standings, I reckon that means Spencer Pumpelli's leading leading the GTD Championship, isn't he? Um, no, because he when must you be look. Close. Sorry, say again, she lost you for a moment. For the 35 points that the Palmilla Racing drivers accrued at that first round of the championship means that they will still be well up in the points for a couple of races. Okay. It's hard to get 35 points over one, two weekends, let alone three. We've got situations in the past, and actually it's a little bit funny because I think we go back to 2016 when it was the last time we had the Daytona winners running a full champion. Yeah. It's been grasser for the couple of years, and it's taken until we've gotten through mid-Ohio the last few years before the grasser crew has been outside of the top three. So we're going to have a situation where for quite some time we're going to be seeing the Paul Miller racing car up toward the top of the charts. Now, we don't know when they're going to come back, and the other thing that helps them is getting all these new entrants. Like Gradient Racing, they're going to bring the Acura. We've got... um, Compass Racing, they're coming down from Canada. They've already moved into a temporary shop in Florida so that that they can compete with all these races. It's brilliant. But we've got all these cars, and then we've got cars who didn't necessarily score well at the 24 hours. They've now got an opportunity to gain a bunch of points at the July race. So we could be seeing a real mix-up in the championship battle where the top of the charts don't necessarily change that much. Well, that's a a fair point. Uh, Now... There are drivers arriving in the U.S. right now, actually, yesterday and today to get their two weeks quarantine in uh, before they head down to Daytona for the 4th of July uh, weekend. That is undoubtedly good news, as Tim rightly said, uh, about Hardpoint and that additional Audi and great to have Audi uh, back represented in, in GTD uh, full-time as well uh, with their customer racing out of Herndon up in uh, up in D.C., up in the District of Columbia, just outside of, of the nation's capital for you guys. Uh, not You mentioned GRT there. Uh, not so good news for gear racing, which is has been run by GRT. What's going on there? Yeah, uh, Gear and GRT have gone their separate ways, Uh, both entities still existing. GRT is still, as of now, running the, ironically, the car that Spencer Pompelli was in at Daytona, the formerly Magnus Racing Lamborghini. That's still Andy Lally and John Potter 
scheduled to run in that car at Daytona and for the remainder of the season. But Gear, which was the brilliant Andy Blackmore liveried comic book Lamborghini that Christina Nielsen shared with Cat Leg at the Rolex, and they were going to be together for the full season, they still are together. They still are planning to run races. They will not be running the next two races because they need a new team. It's been an amicable split. They've oh, gone wow. in their separate directions. But Kat and Christina are actively looking for a new banner car, whatever, to run with for the remainder of the season. And it does not have to be. It doesn't have to be a Lamborghini for them to keep their driver points, does it? So it, it potentially could be any manufacturer or team out there who are looking for a couple of drivers. Exactly, and that's what they are currently searching for: is a good home, in effect, because you're talking about a two-time GTD champion, mm -hmm. a GTD runner-up in what was arguably one of the most competitive GTD seasons that we've had to date, yep. two extremely capable drivers. They get, they bring fantastic publicity. They're both super people. You can't ask for more in a duo. They get along really, really well. So, so, the, so, the, so the Gear GRT uh, alliance has come to an end, but does Gear still exist correct. then? Yes, Gear is looking for a new home. Right. Gear involves Christina and Kat. GRT has a second car that they are now planning to run at Daytona. We oh, don't well, know okay. who it's with, Got you. and we don't know how that's going to come together. But in effect, the two entities have just gotten a divorce. They're both still fine on their own, <laughs> but they're not together anymore. Who got the cats in the, in the CD collection? That's what I always want to know uh, uh, with that. Mm. Christina so, got the she's already told you that uh, Gear have <laughs> no. got the cat. Gay have got the cat, yes, absolutely. I, I saw, <laughs> as soon as I said that, I realised I'd set myself up for that. Um, okay, so that's not, it's not necessarily bad news, but it's not great news. Let's hope that both entities find, you know, uh, what they're looking for. It's not me, it's you. Okay, we, we know that. It can be a difficult thing in partnerships <laughs> and, and relationships in motor racing as in, in life. Um, shock news. Uh, coming out late yesterday evening here in the UK, yesterday afternoon uh, with you guys in the States. Absolutely shock news. Coming out of nowhere that up to 5,000 Floridians will be allowed into the IMSA WeatherTech 240 on Saturday, the 4th of July. Yeah, almost uh, Florida residents, as you said, limited number of infield camping guests where if you get the spot you basically can bring your rv in but then you can't go anywhere else inside the track yeah. so you've, you've got your little space to watch trackside and it just means you can't wander but hey you can still be trackside nothing wrong with that and five thousand people who basically you can find a nice spot in the grandstand you can go watch up there uh, there will be limited camping as i said in turns one and two of the infield and a few near the carousel turn but you you don't really know which one is better. To be honest, I think the grandstand would almost be better because then you get our booth view, which is pretty phenomenal uh, when you're up there. Yeah, phenomenal. Um, but yeah, 5,000 Floridians. Now, that it, it's sort of twofold on this side. Normally, the July 4th weekend at Daytona is a massive NASCAR weekend where people flock in from all over the country to see what is the Coca-Cola 600. That has been moved to Indianapolis, in effect, where they will be racing up in Indy. So the Speedway was open. I don't, I don't know that there are 5,000 
fans, IMSA fans in Florida, but I guarantee you there are 5,000 race fans in Florida. Yeah. And people who have been cooped up in their houses for a long time and are looking for something to do, this is like a gift from the gods to come down and have this opportunity. And to be honest, when I read that it was going to be only Florida residents allowed to go, it's almost a little bit of a sigh of relief because you think about how many people here have returned to a semi-normal state of life. It's a bit alarming that people are, are traveling as they should. Again, I'm not seeing people wearing face masks as often as I would hope that they are for you guys, at least. Uh, so the idea that even if you come from out of state, it's not for you. It's just for people who are sort of being a little bit more respectful and traveling less. I really like that option, too. Yeah, and it's a, a, a really interesting initiative from the, the Speedway that, uh, you know, IMSA, we saw the very uh, full and comprehensive 35-page document what last week about what's going to be happening in uh, in the Speedway and subsequently at Sebring as well, uh, a couple of or three weeks after that as well. So there's not going to be access to the pits. There's not going to be access to the paddock. There's not going to be autograph sessions. That is still um, not going to be allowed. But what it does do is, as, as Shea rightly says, is it allows you to take your RV parked on the infield and sit and watch from there. Or you can go and pick a seat in the grandstands and stay there. Although you'll have to stay in one seat. You're not going to be able to, to wander around. Generally speaking, I think, Shea, all good news from what we've been hearing, or a lot of good news for him. So we'll get an entry list uh, in the next week or so. So maybe this time next week, we might be able to know exactly who's going to be at that 4th of July Saturday night race. Yeah, and I've been doing little bits of number crunching and trying to figure out who's going to be there. I still think it's around 25 cars. We might get an extra surprise or two in there. I don't think it'll be more than 27 cars. And I'm still waiting to find out. We saw something uh, earlier this week on Sports Car 365 about FAF Motorsport and their consideration into whether or not they want to come into the country and run. Well, FAF is located just north of Toronto on the 400 is where their Porsche dealership is. Just north of them is is Vaughn, which is where AVS is, mm. Ambassador Sullivan. So if the Porsche elects not to come down, but the Lexuses do, or the Lexuses elect not to come down, but the Porsche does, I think there might be a little bit of communication going on between those two teams as to whether or not they want all their crew guys to need divorce lawyers by the end of the season, having spent so much time out of the country. Um, but no, it, we still have more announcements to come as to who will be there and who won't, but encouraging things. And the other great news that I saw that completely slipped my mind until right now uh scott dixon has been signed yes. by wayne taylor racing to run the entirety of the endurance championship so we're going to get to see dixie a couple times more this year uh and we'll be talking to andy prio uh, is our big interview connecting with him he's on the island of guernsey uh, we'll talk to him just after nine o'clock tonight and there'll undoubtedly be if you've seen the press release an element of of being in the u.s talking to andy about supporting his son seb as well in that big interview at nine or just after nine o'clock tonight Shea, thanks very much stay safe we'll talk to you next week we're not less Oh, we're not. Sorry, I did. Uh, I I, for, I completely forgot. We have something that we have to bring in Nick Damon for, who is on my right hand side. Good evening, Nick. Good evening, John. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, Shay. Good evening, everybody. And we have a return hey, of Nick. an old favourite next, Tim, don't we? Noticias en español. Ole. Por midweek motorsport. Oh, the dry version tonight. Very good. Yes. All right. I, I always think that this is the problem for Shay because Shay speaks Spanish. 
No, she speaks South American Spanish, not Oh, French. right, yeah, okay. A lot of the stories come from South America. <laughs> Very different. Nick, worryingly, fairness, Nick has I've picked up a... Nick has picked up, picked up a piece of paper and a pen to oh, make yes. notes. Here. I have to make He's notes. taking this seriously. Well, yeah, well, it is. I got a bit older. My, my, <laughs> my translation speed's gone down. Yeah, but you're going to have to write big because I know what your eyesight's like <gasps> now as well. Shocking but true. <laughs> Let's, <laughs> shocking but true. Let's have the news in Spanish. Tim Gray, what do you have? La Nueva... Hang on. It's gone well. <laughs> Excellent start. La Nueva Normalidad, the Formula One. Yeah. Right. The new normal in yep. Formula One. Even I get that. Sin podios. Hey. Yes. No podiums. Yep. No, that doesn't mean that at all. It does now. <laughs> no, Sin Podio is obviously a lap dancing club. All right, Sin Podio. All <laughs> oh, right, no, with the polio. Yeah. Minos Carrera. Sin. No races. He barbecues poor todas. But barbecues for everybody. Barbecues. Barbecues for everyone. <laughs> so hang on a minute. No, what it basically means is we put that all together, right? So you've got a, you're a lap dancing club with a free barbecue, but there are no born Porsches for some reason. Yeah. Okay. No Porsche yeah. Carreras. Oh, Carry on. No, no Super Cup. No Super Cup. That's right. <laughs> no Porsche Carreras Super Cup. That's right. It's you won't hard, be able to watch that. It's very hard to run one in the strip club, to be honest. Or, or even... Watch it in a strip club if it's on the telly. I've got, I, I've got a story about that, but <laughs> no, I can't no, tell move you. Move right on. It's too early. It's not nine o'clock yet. It Moving on. Joe, doesn't it? La que no se realizaba la tradicional ceremonia tras cada carrera y ya se dieron de barja tres grandes premios on Sequitos Calderos. Well, that's obvious, isn't it, Nick? <laughs> Obviously, it's all going to be a bit different because we can't run on the traditional circuits. We're actually going to have to run the Porsche Carrera Super Cup in the desert like Baja racing. So much bigger wheels bouncing around. Pneumatico, I reckon. Well, you see, this bouncing around pneumatico, I think this is still referring to the strip club. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get that out of your head straight away. <laughs> Moving on. La F1 tiene la vista fija el... el 5 de Julio, cuando en Austria volverá a disputarte un gran premio tras el parate forzado por la pandemia de coronavirus. <laughs> well, do you want to go with that? Well, it's, apparently, uh, I'm not sure if this is, I've got this correct. You were, exactly. jogging, you were writing fervently there. Well, it's, uh, it's the first <laughs> time I've ever heard this being mentioned, but apparently they've already arranged the concerts. Um, at all the first five races, it's, it's Julio Iglesias in every single one of them. In a Volvo. In a Volvo, yeah. So I'm not quite sure. I think I think what what I, I feel that perhaps it might be the entire Iglesias clan, so Enrique will be allowed as well. Mm-hmm. But it is Spanish crooners, uh, non-stop uh, for the first five races. Surely that should be at MotoGP, as they're based exclusively in in Spain for their whole season. I'm not sure they're they're really of a level of wanting a Spanish crooner, are they? They more uh, like techno, 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 techno. Okay. Moving on. Is maybe that they're it? giving and a Volvo. Oh, sorry. Uh, Shit, go ahead. Maybe they're giving a Volvo as a prize to whoever can make it through all five of the Julio Iglesias concerts in a row. It's frankly, right. you'd need more than that. No, because there is a, there is a much <laughs> like Tom Jones, there was a propensity of women of a certain age for their knickers at uh, Julio Iglesias. So perhaps again, this is a a, a, a if thing. The women if you can keep your knickers on for knickers. five, well, that's a good. Point. Well, that's true. And surely it's behind locked doors <laughs> anywhere. Well, that's a very special strip club. Um. 
I think we need to get off the whole club thing <laughs> right now. Oh, dear me. We start off with a really sensible, a really sensible and positive story and look where we are now already within seven minutes moving on in esas jornados se pudo ver a las mecánicos ingenieros pilotos y otros miembros del equipo usando barbijos y guantes y practicando algunas medidas de prevención yes well i I think Mm. i may have i may have mistranslated earlier on because barbijos obviously are very small nylon stockings Oh no! I'm afraid it's not. It's actually a uh, a rather more alternative version of the Barbie doll. Oh really? Yes, they're, 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 they aren't. It's not. Made it's not secretary Barbie. It's not. Um, uh, it's, d- not air, it's, stop, not, stop, it's not. It's not airline stop, Barbie. I'm stopping you now. <laughs> it's Barbie hose. Um, um, Nick. <laughs> Nick has a theme tonight. I, it, 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 he's playing. Um, it? It's the Spanish. He's not been locked down too it's long. It's the hasn't Spanish. It? It's in the, <laughs> the the beauty of the language. I can't help if it's been used to describe as slightly. 15 certificate PG-13, perhaps R certificate in America, subject. Do you think, as Alan Prosser has said, that the fight for pole position, pole position, mm-hmm. uh, in the club would be worth watching? I do like that, Alan. Very good. Yeah, yeah very good. Uh, let's finish this off, please. Imagines similares se vieron yes. en Toledo y Daventry, yeah. donde McLaren <laughs> puso sus pilotos en la pista. Well, that's, that's well, we've all done sorry, that no. in Daventry. No, I'm sorry, but that's, that haven't. is just factually incorrect. What? Because a Triumph Toledo was not built in Daventry. It was built out the road in Coventry. No. I'm sorry, as a British Leyland fan, I'm, not, I'm sorry, I'm not engaging this anymore. But frankly... No, no it's, not, it's, it's wrong. It's just wrong. They don't even know where the cars were built. Terrible. But haven't we all been on a pista in Daventry at some stage in our lives? I went to a terrible conference in Daventry <laughs> once. <laughs> Please tell me that's the end. It must be now. Thank you. Shea, uh, thank you for joining us. And we apologise for uh, absolutely Nothing. mullering the Spanish language, <laughs> as always. Thank you, Shea. Talk to you next week. All right. See you guys. Say hi to the club. The reason I was struggling to read that was because, uh, for some reason, my screen decided that it wanted to display that in pale grey on white background. Excellent. Mm. Uh, Gardner's just That's tweeted. That's my excuse. <laughs> You'll just blind me. Cold shower for RC Racing, Nick Damon, or delete his Tinder account <laughs> quickly. Mm. He's no a happily married man. I am, actually, oddly. Oh, yeah. What can I say? It's not oddly about it. You just took yourself a huge hole there. No, because often people go, oh, yes, no, but I am. Oh, dear me. Uh, that is the film music. Yes. So what films have you been watching this week with the motorsport bent, if I dare say it, Tim? Well, uh, first of all, uh, I need to mention that Super Swede is uh, uh, a film that we talked about about three years ago. Um, it's a film about turnips. <laughs> it's about Ronnie Peterson. All right, OK. Uh, that's now uh, available uh, on Sky in the UK on their new Sky yeah. Documentaries channel. If you okay. want to I might watch, that. watch that, it's available mm-hmm. on demand as yeah. well. Uh, yeah. Has English subtitles for those of you who aren't so good at the Swedish. Uh, but who might that name be? A film a couple of weeks ago we talked about, Le Grand yeah. Rendezvous 2020 remake. 
it was a short in fairness wasn't it it was and in fact this one's even shorter because it's only just over six minutes uh but it was released at the weekend and nick you've had a chance to look at it yes okay if you remember the original uh rendezvous which was a faceless uh man driving uh all the way through the uh through the paris uh roads and nothing but engine noise and dramatic uh, movements of the car as he swept through the morning to meet his love. Brilliant Very, film. very low camera Brilliant angles, film, sliding uh, around. Classic, uh, often overused the word the classic, a classic. The remake is a absolutely turgid marketing, can I say wet dream? Yeah, yeah already have. turgid wet dream. It is, I, if, if you could give something less than zero out of ten, I would. Everything about it is dreadful. Let's... Let's set it up because it was meant to be the Monaco Monte Carlo Grand Prix. Instead of having the Monte Carlo Grand Prix, they closed the roads in the early morning and Charles Leclerc uh, drove what appeared to me to be a bright red Corvette. Oh no, an SF90 super duper Ferrari. Which which looks very like a bright uh, um, Stradale. Is it red? It was a bright, uh, it looked like a Corvette. Don't forget, we started with a mere half flower engine. Rebecca, the flower ranger. You have a minute and a half of flower ranger. Stop, stop. Rebecca, the flower ranger, was the director's daughter. Good to see nepotism alive and well, even during a pandemic. And she, by the way, is not a flower ranger because the way she was picking up those <laughs> flowers and putting them together. I'm sorry, she's I'm sorry. Never that's worked. what you've taken out of this film. Well, uh, if I can't suspend me disbelief then had a, on the a flower ranger. A relatively dull onboard lap of, of Monaco, but not Monaco as it is set up for the Grand Prix, but as going around the road as they would be, with not enough noise, not enough interest or anything else. Charles Leclerc couldn't be bothered to even shave for the event. There was a lot of attention played to face masks. and it's very pandemic wasn't it? Prince Albert II yes, was no, there, so banging Sh- elbows. Charles does his lap, drives up the casino at Monte Carlo, which obviously you go past normally in the race, and everyone claps him when he turns up. And he kind of, really kind of applause. Do you know what that look, reminded me of? It reminded me of like a Republican convention when they clap Trump even though they think he's awful. President Trump. <laughs> Sir Trump. President <laughs> Trump, please. Um, the, uh, for me... The most interesting part of was when he comes out of the uh, tunnel and through the first bit of the chicane. Then he has to go onto the old track and then do another chicane onto the promenade. That's a way better circuit than what they use in well, the Grand Prix. Well, they use that bit of the, the back bit of the road they've used um, before the promenade. They use it going the other way. They've used it for Formula E. Correct. Anyway, so then he drives around with, with uh, Prince... His Serene Hyrus, Prince Albert, Albert II. I'm trying to remember his name, yeah. Prince Albert, and that's fine. They do some, some more elbow bumping, which is like, all right, I understand, it's the time. And then he picks up the florist. And he picks up the florist. They're both sitting in the car with their face masks on, super, and they take their masks off and smile at each other. I'm going, oh, hello, what's going on here? Well, Charles Leclerc's missus, remember, had to subscribe yeah. to Twitch to get him to answer the door. Well, apparently recently. some random florist is straight up, you know, mm. Yeah, mm. So possibly you can miss maybe, that maybe one. Maybe he's I, the best I watched, I watched, she is. I watched it today, and, and it is one of the many things recently I just wished I'd have you know, kind of my six minutes of my life back again because it was just terrible. And it's, yeah. Okay. I'm going to put it this way. There are many car shows around the world <laughs> where that would not have made a segment, and I'm not talking about good car shows either. 
it would not have made a good six-minute segment. No. It was, no. it was, it was uh, poorly produced, badly put together. The sound was unforgivably bad because they used all of the sound from just the onboards where they were instead of recording it properly and then dubbing it in afterwards. There were places where the onboard and the interior shots didn't match, which is also unforgivable when you've only got. 250 yards or whatever. How long is Monaco? Mile and a half? Mile, 1.78 miles. All right, there you go. 76 miles. I mean, really? Anyway. Can I just say that? It was very popular for Flower Ranging Weekly. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Although they didn't like I... the uh, realism either. No, they didn't. <laughs> Listen, if you, uh, if, you, if you can't get the Flower Ranging right, then the rest of it for me is just not, not going to work. Uh, moving, shall we stay with Formula One? <laughs> yes. We're going to talk about a Formula One world champion. Hooray! Which one? And a three-time. <laughs> <laughs> that was very poor. Well, no, because because I didn't get I didn't get like, once again I need to have a proper intro. But you Formula know. So One. So now let's move. Hooray! Oh, give me a bit of a barato. Now um, I've remembered why I didn't ask you to turn Nick up earlier, even though he was a lot quieter yes. than you. Exactly. Yes. So explain to me which Formula 1 world champion this Formula is. Formula 1 world champion and a three-time Le Mans podium finisher Right. Uh, this afternoon have been discussing sustainability in motorsport. Oh, no. <laughs> Nick Damon was invited oh. along to uh, take yeah, part and, and in this what, conference what and said my, he'd rather stick pins in his yes. eyes. Yes. Uh, oh, I, just, I can't wait to have Nico Rosberg tell me about sustainability. So we can't talk about this anymore other than the fact that it happened and uh, we weren't there to report it, sorry. Genuine, genuinely, well done, Nico. You won the World Championship. Now just go away and crawl under a rock. You all know how you won it. Your constant attempt at self-aggrandismore. If you want to stay famous and relevant, carry on driving. It's really easy. But you gave up because you were frightened and ran away. So you don't have a right to say anything, in my opinion. Lucas Degrassi, the other driver involved in that, of course. Uh, Lucas Degrassi, beginning his, how is it now? It's been about year three of his never-ending 20-year cycle to try and become the uh, president of the FIA, which he will do. He's a very intelligent man. He will. I guarantee he'll become president of the FIA. One Doesn't time. speak uh, a lot of French, though. No. I'm sure he can sort that out. No. Uh, uh, there has been some on. Formula I've One testing going on. Nick, hasn't there? Well, yes. Because yes, Renault have been to the Red Bull ring. Yes, that's they actually managed to test their car at the actual track they're going to be in a couple of weeks' time. Wow. Um, uh, f- they tested an old car. Racing Point tested their actual car because they used a the, filming one of their day. filming days at Silverstone. As everyone's getting their um, getting their eye in. But more important, what they are, they are doing, in fairness, is they are testing the COVID regulations um, within the pit lane so they're trying to work out the, the operational side of things and how you actually you know, work with this and we saw at the weekend did we not with Kreventnik that it is perfectly possible with a small amount of people in the pits to socially distance to have your masks on yeah. and to enforce potentially as well the regulations there was a few people called for it although the, there were no penalties given there were a few warnings I seem to remember but I, I thought that was an excellent opportunity for motor racing to have a look and go oh yeah we can do this yeah. and an excellent opportunity for Portimao to showcase themselves for a couple of can't, Formula 1 races can't argue with either those points of view I mean the the, 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 the 
mysterious location of the races after these first eight races, which end with uh, the first week of September with Monza, is becoming a, a, an obsession within the, uh, the press at the moment because I think there's a, one bubble. there is a little bit of kind of um, le- you know, sort of lobbying going on. People are wanting to get certain tracks in, and you keep hearing Mugello, and you keep hearing Imola, and then you hear Portimao, then you hear Hockenheim, and, then you, and every day one race becomes more important than the other. Um, the fact is, of the four tracks, the only track that's going to give you lots of overtaking is Hockenheim. So that's that's one thing to, to bear in mind if that is what Liberty want. The other three tracks have various other attractions. Um, Mugello, it's never held a race. Imola is a historic uh, environment in every possibility. And Portimao is a great place to go and the weather will be way better. So, you know, that, and, and permanently two from four, really, though, I think, John. Um, so the yeah. issue with Hockenheim is that mm-hmm. we already know the calendar up until the middle of September, and we think yep. that at that point they will either go to Sochi for a double header or go to Mugello and then to Portimao and then to Sochi for a double header. So by that point, it's now late October. Do you want to go no, to Hockenheim in late October? No, no. It's Mugello v Hockenheim is the is the battle. Mugello is going to happen. I, yeah, it's really weird. You've been very, very it's sure of that. Bullish. It's It's not a great track for F1. It really isn't. It's, it's a very, very... If you think about it, yes, it's got a massively long straight, but coming onto the massively long straight is a really fast open corner, so no one's going to be able to get near anybody. It's, a, it's, it's, like, it's like Hungary. Hungary is a fantastic track to drive around on your own. Doesn't necessarily mean it's a great track to race on. So, but there is, as you say, Tim, there is a real feeling they want to go back to Italy for around the thousandth Grand Prix for um, uh, Ferrari. And if they actually do it obviously a week after Monza, then it's a very limited amount of tripping, isn't it? So you haven't got to go very far. But, you know, I, 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 you know they could do them all, really, uh, if they do them the right yeah. way around. But Hockenheim, as you say, would <sighs> need to be earlier because of weather. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. What Time for one more story. This is a two-part story, but yes. What has Pierre Gasly not done for two months? Gone out. Cut his hair. Had a shave. Seen his mum. Done the shopping uh, at Tesco. He hasn't been to France. Really? Yes. Well, that's not the end of the world, is it? Mm. Is he living in Italy then with Toro Rosso, is he? Uh, No. Sorry, uh, Alfa Tori. He went to Dubai. Well, in fairness, that's that's very good for hot weather testing because right now it is... Baking boiling. over there. 46 degrees. It'll be continue boiling until sort of mid-October. Yes. Uh, so he's not going to have any issues with, with hot weather training. No. Uh, what has Karin Chandok not done for two months? Worn trousers. Correct. Long trousers. Yep. That's me and him both. He's gone super short, effectively. I think I think there's a, a vast tranche of people who would be uh, in there. If you're if you're a short type person, I'm I'm, I'm pretty ambivalent on the short, to be honest. So I've I've kind of had it. Well, yeah, I am normally, two but or look, I've not had a tan on my legs like this for twenty odd oh, years. He's, he's showing me his legs right now. They're marvellous. Being Mac can be perfect. I've not worn worn shoes unless I've been driving or riding for <laughs> three months now. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone. Oh, I don't know. I think everyone's a bit fed up with this whole thing and can't wait for the racing to get going. Speak for yourself. Well, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to this weekend. I must admit, that's that's the the, the big big thing this we'll weekend. We'll have more on that in a minute. Um, and then you kind of go right. Let's get racing underway. And finally, who does Mark Webber think is going to win the title this year? Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton. Correct. He's got a massive advantage. Yeah. I think realistically, Mark Webber it just sits there going anybody but Fettel because I hate him, but I can't say it out loud. Mm. So I'm a few quick. Uh, Twitter here. 
Kevin Payne says F1 are rightly desperate to run the races. Quality of circuits may well be at the bottom of their concerns. Mm. Dave Alcock uh, at Spectatainment absolutely have to give the 24 hour Creventic Series credit. They did a great job. Yes, it was a small field, but that's the right thing to do to practice, test, and prove your procedures. They and their team showed courage. Uh, and the series showed leadership being the first. I'm sure everybody has learned. Hello to David Rally, who got lost in the football and he's in almost an hour late. Uh, and thank you for everybody for the, for the comments on the uh, news in Spanish. And yes, absolutely, that's why we need a responsible adult. Very quickly, before nine o'clock, Thank you to all of you as our listeners. We haven't had an awful lot of motorsport to talk to talk about in recent months, but you have steered and supported us on Midweek Motorsport. And by the end of this show, we will have had over 2 million downloads of Midweek Motorsport this year, which is absolutely outstanding. You downloaded this show 5.3 million times last year, and we're right on target for something similar Despite the lack of motorsport, so, well, yeah, we had we had four four metal races this year. If yeah, Perhaps exactly. Five. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking <laughs> just about midweek motorsport, not our total downloads. Just midweek motorsport. There were 1.8 over 1.8 million at the end of May. So with the additional shows in June, uh, this show shall take us over two million downloads, and that's all thanks to you, our listener. Midweek Motorsport, where we're only halfway. And so that means we've got another hour of content still to come. In hour number two, we'll be previewing the iRacing 24 hours of Le Mans, including hybrid power in that as well. CEO of Race Spot TV, Will Vincent, will be joining us. More of your tweets, please. Uh, on at Specutainment. We've got a few more bits and pieces of news to go through as well. But we'll kick off the second hour of tonight's programme in the traditional way. We're going to call up uh, one of our great friends and someone who has some news about his career. But remember, he's not retiring. Starting off the second hour of tonight's show, Andy Priel. Midweek Motorsport. On RS1. So just after nine o'clock, and here is the big interview. As promised, we have our friend, I nearly said our old friend there. Yeah. I mean long-time friend, Andy Priel. Multiple world champion, all-round good bloke. Welcome again to Midweek Motorsport, Andy. Andy, good evening. Evening, guys. How are you, John? Great to see you guys. Um, I'm to speak to you anyway. I'm very, very well, and I hope you, Joe, and the family are. Guernsey, I've got to talk about this, Guernsey, at, at the moment at least, has been COVID-free, is that right? Yeah, thanks, John. We're all good, COVID-free, zero, zero cases. We've all got our own little bubbles that we're working <laughs> in, and uh, it's been going really well. But I must say, you know, they've done a great job over here. They have policed it very strictly. Uh, I travelled away recently two weeks ago for a test. Uh, I'm in my last day of quarantine today and I've had visits from customs and phone calls from border control Good. and, uh, you know, as it should be. So we're just protecting our beautiful little... Keeping the community safe. Yeah, absolutely the right it thing. Is. It's very yeah, important. It is. really is. Um, news came to us earlier this week that after a stunning uh, championship 
career in the world touring cars, including uh, three world championships. And effectively, we can say there was more than that because you won the championship before it was even a world championship. You've decided, uh, in in the words of your press release from the uh, redoubtable Annie, uh, uh, you've hung up your world touring car gloves come on put some meat on the bones here andy what is what what does that actually what does that actually mean and does that mean we're not going to see you with a, a helmet and a race suit on again no john it, it it it's definitely not a retirement thing um it really just didn't work this year with with all of the commitments i've got with multimatic um with the very strict limitations we have in guernsey at the moment getting on and off the island i'm going to need to move over to the us for a few months to support my son sebastian to support Multimatic with all the stuff they have going on over there. Um, so it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's, it's it was a tough call. Um, but let's say this is my first time in 20 years that I won't be driving in a full-time manufacturer race program. Um, however, there's a lot going on with Multimatic. There's a lot of exciting things there. So um, I, I don't feel at all negative about it. I feel mm. actually, in a way, quite relieved. It's a strange feeling. But... Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, it's focusing on the future with Sebastian and, and also building up um, in the Multimatic side with uh, with what I can do there, mm-hmm. um, having 100% focus on, on the on the projects that we've got going on. So it's important for me to focus on, on the important stuff at the moment. Normally what I would ask people at this point is why now? Well, it's not about now. It's, it's not about the now and the time. It's more about the circumstances, it sounds to me, Andy. It's a bit of both, John. I think, you know, we've all we've all had a good look at ourselves the last two or three months. Um, as a racing driver, you're always spinning plates. I've been 20 years a professional racing driver, and I've been racing, like, flat out for nearly 30 years. Um, and it's all about spinning plates, and, you know, whether it's a manufacturer contract or dealing with other manufacturers or keeping everyone happy and all the sponsors, and obviously performing you're always accountable every day what you do every decision you make whether it's fitness or going out and having a beer you feel guilty you know going out and working and spending too much time with the family and not answering all those emails with the engineers you feel guilty so i think it was a bit of a release um and it's at the same time been very fortunate that i've got a strong um relationship with multimatic um, I've got Seb to focus on coming through as well, and I've got some major projects I can focus on. Um, you know that will give me the chance to do some things driving. Um, I think all of those points gave gave me time to make a, a very uh, tough decision, really. Multimatic just announced that they are effectively starting a, a new division on that, which is sort of like a special projects di- division, for for want of a, a better word. And a lot of people, I would think probably don't know how big Multimatic are, Andy, and how many projects they're doing at the same time. But but the fact that Larry Holt, who is the genius uh, uh, at the head, and I use that word advisedly, at the head of Multimatic, has decided to go into special projects for, for road car projects, etc., etc. This is very exciting right now. This is really exciting. I, I've always said Multimatic's the biggest kept secret in motorsport. I was I was blown away when I joined, um, in effect, Multimatic via Chip Ganassi Racing with the Ford GT program. And um, I'd come from a very good you know, manufacturer at BMW and I did DTM and everything, in Formula 1 and everything with them. And I was blown away with what I found at Multimatic. And it just it, it got bigger and bigger every time I looked at it. And one of the biggest things that stands out for me with Multimatic is, and I've driven now quite a few cars that they've engineered produced designed 
they it just feel right. The cars just feel right. Everything about them feels right. They're balanced. They're predictable. They're fast. You know, the engineering backup that I had from Multimatic over the three, four years with, with Chip Ganassi Racing was just an eye-opener for me. So they are the biggest kept secret. Larry is is a, a beautiful guy, um, very clever man. And um, they're a very nice company. And when you speak to everybody that works there, most of them have been there all their life. You know, that tells you something. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just feel that, you know, it was great for me at my stage in my career to, to be able to contribute to these programs with the experience I had, all the programs and teams that I've driven with, and to be able to uh, to not only give them that information but have people listen as well. It's also an important thing. Um, and, uh, you know, this is why I'm very lucky with my career at this stage to be able to still race mm. But not absolutely go out there having to sort of beg, steal, and borrow to be driving somebody's car every race weekend. I've done that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've 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 done enough that of that now. Twenty years of trying to prove myself every week um, to have a position within Multimatic that gives me the chance to to do these things is just wonderful. Bear in mind, by the way, dear listener, if you don't know this, Multimatic were the people effectively behind the Ford GT road car as well as the street car. They build the monocoque for things like the Vulcan. They do specialist carbon fibre parts for EMG. They work right across uh, OEMs, original equipment manufacturers, as well as doing all the stuff that we expect, like the Mazda program for DPI in the States and all the racing stuff. There's going to be a bit of a, a restructuring there. So Jim Holland, who used to be at Jaguar Land Rover, is going to come in and look after the engineering side, which will allow Larry to, to get even more creative with the, the special vehicle opera, operation. They've got Raj Nair there as well, of course, who used to be a Ford as well. Do we, do we think that that might give you an opportunity to do a bit of vehicle development role and things like that? And would, if so, would that be something you might be interested in, AP? Absolutely. Um, I'm all over that. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, there's some great opportunities there. I mean, it, it's just an amazing story. Uh, you know, talking about Raj, I mean, when I signed with Ford, I met Raj and he says, do you remember me? I says, yeah, tell me, tell me. I was looking at him and I was like, this big smile and a very happy face. He said, you were my instructor at Silverstone like 20 years ago. Oh, I got my racing license and it was me that did it. And he said, when, when you signed for us, I was so pleased that you joined us. And then obviously I met Larry and Henry Ford at, uh, in Atlanta. I was out there driving for BMW in the, in the Petit Le Mans race. And I met with Larry and I was like, this guy is super cool. You know, he was like, he had an amazing audience and he was just himself. You know, he was like, you know, this is what we want to do. We want to win Le Mans. We want to do it like this. And, you know, as you all know with Larry, there's a few Fs and blinds going on, but he's just a free spirit. Until you turn the mic on. And all the times that I've ever, ever interviewed him, and when we did the Ford launch, we were pre-recording some stuff there to go out so that it was coincided when you guys walked on stage. And And I looked at Larry. I said, do I need to say what I'm going to say? He said, no, no, fine. And all the PR people were bricking themselves and there was not a bad word came out of his mouth. He was still super you know enthusiastic, but he's so professional. Yeah. He's, he's not he is. always, what's the word I'm looking for? He's not conventional he's abs- sometimes. He's, not, he's an absolute gentleman. He's a super clever engineer, like a boffin. The mind is just, his mind is so creative. 
Um, but yeah, he's an absolute gentleman. And like when you go out with him or socially, you know, he's, he's so passionate and there's, we're all, we're all the same. We, you know, we spend a lot of time in the garage and we're all talking about these problems and racing cars and getting aggressive with each other. But, but it actually is a super, a super gentleman. He's got, you know, uh, a lot of scruples. Um, he's, he's very important. Uh, he, he's just a nice guy. Look at what he's achieved with Multimatic. God knows how many years he's been with them, longer than, than, than all of us put together. And, uh, you know, he's, he's still as passionate as ever. And I think Multimatic uh, Special Vehicles is going to give him a great opportunity to, to live, his passion, live his passion out, really, through motor racing and, and, and supercars. Let's talk about, Seb, the next generation yep. of prior motor racing drivers. The third generation, let's not forget, because... Fourth. Fourth. fourth, fourth, of course. He is. Of, of course. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Doesn't that make me feel old? I know. It really, I know. It really does. Uh, when, we were set, it. when we were setting this interview up, I had a chat with you on the phone. And what the thing, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to put this out there, um, not for you to comment on, but I think it's important. We, and we've talked about this. We, we live in this weird, weird world of paddocks and hotel rooms. And in some ways, bringing kids up in that environment is never easy. And Joe, you're lovely, lovely and far better half uh, one oh, might yes. say we're all very lucky in that respect I agree um, you and Joe have done a cracking job with Seb I, I'm not talking about what he does behind the wheel I'm talking about what he does outside of it because it's not an easy upbringing is it Andy and, and you saw that yeah. as well you got help from your dad um, influence from your grandparents uh, as yeah. well I always think people look at sons and daughters of racing drivers second third generation say well it must be a bit easier for them because they've got the name yeah. to trade on it's not that case at all is it do you know what it's it's it's, it's easier off track but harder on track Aye, for them to prove themselves you know i mean like seb's had seb's been really unlucky he's had two major ta championships taken away from him really he should have been multiple british champion by now and i think that was partly due to his name it was they were just very hard on him with certain things um but off the track, I've opened up doors and given him the opportunity. But he still has to earn it. He still has to earn it with lap time and his work ethic. And in a lot of ways, it's going to be harder for him because I know what he needs to be like. So I'm really tough on him. And also, you know, everybody at Multimatic, they're, they're just they're so nice to him. But they, they're making him work for it. You know, they want to see an individual turn up on his own, his own man doing his own thing. And that's what we want. I, I, I just need to be his bag carrier. And then, not as Larry says, do not be a hockey dad. Well, a carting dad is what we used well, to call them. So you, so you can't yeah. be a carting dad. It's it's a tough situation being a father in motor racing because you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're needed in, in a lot of ways off the track. So, you know, I know that when I deliver Seb, he's got a professional team, Multimatic and Sean Mason, all the guys. I mean, they've been around. They know what they do. They don't need me telling them what to do. All I need to do is make sure that Seb turns up in the very best version of himself um, when he gets there. And that's, that's a big effort. You know, mm. we're going to relocate to America now, the whole family for the next three or four months to give him the platform he needs to, to make his name out there. Um, you know, that's the sort of stuff that you've got to do as a parent. But once they get, for me, my biggest dream will be stood on the outside of Le Mans, <laughs> watching my son, being with the fans, having a beer, watching my son fighting to win Le Mans. Well, you know what I mean? Oh, that's um, just... But not being in the garage necessarily. No, no. I'd love to do it, but just to, to support him. And, you know, my father was always great at standing back. And I know there's a lot of dads that do that. 
but it is hard because you want to be involved and you want to protect them as well, you know, but you can't, you've got to let them fall over. That yeah. said, we know how talented he is. We know what a smashing lad he is. I wouldn't expect anything else from him, for the parents he's come from. You are what <laughs> you come from, my old dad, Thank God you. rest his soul, used to say. What about you, though? What's left for yeah. you to add to your CV? All right, so it's not yeah. going to be full-time in world touring cars, but you're not hanging yeah. up your helmet. You've said that. What have you not done, Andy Prio, uh, as a yeah. triple world champion and multiple champion around the world? What have you not done in driving that you'd still like to achieve? Do you know what, John? I, I, I want to be wanted for a start. So I don't want to have to be convincing everyone that I'm the man for the job. If you if they want me, I'm here and in the car. I definitely want to be involved in in developing a race car that that's going to potentially be a you know fantastic top-level world sports car or something. I'd like to develop a race car that Seb could drive one day to, to win and put my footprint. I know what the car needs technically. I know what the car and chassis requirements are to win, you know, to win at Le Mans, for instance. I still want to do some really nice races. I love Daytona. I love Sebring. I love Le Mans. Um, but my priority and biggest priority is, and I think it's a really important thing for every racing driver, is to know when enough's enough. Right. And, you know, if, if the opportunity's not right, John, and I don't get the best chance to do well, I don't want to do it. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't want to be the weak link. I want to be the guy that's driving a team forward. You know, I've, I've been racing professionally for 20 years. Every single year I've had a manufacturer contract. You know, I've won over over 60-odd races. What I've got with Larry and Multimatic is they really love me with my feedback, the way I work. You know, hey, look, you were there, Sebring last year. Mm-hmm. I had one of the best stints I've ever had. I was leading by 20 seconds. I put 20 seconds over P2. Um, I fought for pole. That was just last year. I haven't suddenly become a worse driver. I won in Macau in November in a front-wheel drive car. I hadn't driven front-wheel drive since 1998 or something stupid, and I'd only done a few races. So I wasn't a specialist, but I had a strong season. But, you know, ultimately, um, there's other bigger things as well I want to achieve in racing uh, with Multimatic, with Seb. Um, so those are also really important to me too. It's not easy, is it, if you aren't doing a full season? And I've talked to other drivers about this, other good drivers like yourself, talented, experienced drivers. It's not easy just jumping into a car for a longer race and be, becoming the dreaded third no. driver, particularly if, yeah. the, if there's an established pair, who, particularly if they're going for a yeah. championship as well. And I always no. describe that as being... That third driver has to be the ultimate plug and play performance accessory because yep. you've just got to get in and do your job. You do, yeah. I think as the third driver, you've, you've got to get comfortable with being extremely uncomfortable. Oh, that's um, great. That's a you great know, way of looking at it. Yeah, and you've just got to fit in and, and not expect too much. Um, but you do have to just perform. And, and that's. I've always been quite fortunate that I've been able to, to be quick straight out the box. Um and actually, John, you know, we've all been doing a bit of esports the last three months. And I mean, this is totally new to me, but I've been taking it on full on because my processor, my mind is spinning, you know, and I'm still focused and concentrated and I'm still training and doing all the things that I, I should be doing to be a professional racing driver. So, um, yeah, there's some there's some opportunities there, but it has to be right um, and it has to be for the for the betterment of the team. And, and what we're doing at that moment. And, um, of course, I don't want to take drives that could be ten- 
drivers who are really pushing their careers forward. But teams do also need a, a very solid team player yeah. that is going to push forward, set up, make crucial decisions on tyres, bring some calmness into the programme, deliver, but not become the prima donna that wants to try and get the full-time seat. You know, I want the full-time drive. No, 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 I'm going to deliver what I need to deliver on that moment, give the best fee feedback I can, and then you stand back. And uh, this is this is also a strong place for me to be. Andy, I've enjoyed watching your racing career. I'm pleased to hear it's not over yet because I can't even begin to tell you how old it makes me feel that Seb is a fourth-generation Prio driver and your career could be coming to an end. I remember seeing you in '98 in Renault Spider on the Total yeah. Package. '99 was that year, that big year, but '98 was my first year. You're spot on. Yeah, and yeah. and then I remember you at Alton Park when you subbed for fabulous Phil Bennett, getting pole yeah. position. And I've, yep. you know, I've known you since those days. I'll say one thing for you, mate. You've never changed one iota. The success that you've earned is absolutely deserved and it's never changed you as an individual. You've always been a top bloke and I'm sure that will never change. Hopefully, I'll see you at a racetrack sometime. Yeah, John, it's, I must say it's lovely to hear your voice again. It feels like we're racing again. And uh, you and sports cars are just, you know, absolutely perfect together. So um, I hope we can hear a lot more of you this year. And um, looking and thanks to everybody here for, for all their support and for you over the years. But th you'll still have the chance to talk about me at a few races and hopefully it'll all be positive. I want to get, I'm going to have to find somewhere where we can drive together. We'll try and get you in the race of re remembrance or something like that. Let's, do the, uh, let's do the Citroen C1 race together. Let's let's Done. get all the old gang together. Andy Prio, thanks for being our big interview on Midweek Motorsport tonight. Cheers, mate. Thanks to you guys. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. Nick Damon is still with us. <laughs> Nick? Hello, yes, I yes. am. Uh, do you have a favourite Andy Prio moment? <laughs> so many of them, isn't there? Well, it, you see, he did touring cars after I did touring cars. Uh, and... Um, I only really know him from chatting to him other in sports cars, the Le Mans or um, in America. He was so uh, linked with BMW. The interesting thing that I've just realised there that I should have picked him up on, of course, I was talking about him jumping in for fabulous Phil Bennett there, and that was probably the last time he drove a front-wheel yeah, drive. I, can't, I, can't, I just realised I now know what my favourite Andy Prio moment is, and it's an ongoing one. Yes. It's commentators trying to pronounce Andy Prio's name not knowing what it is. Priolx. Priolux. Priolux. Hey, it's Andy Priolux. Yeah. Priolx. Priolx. No, the following season he did uh, a whole year of uh, touring cars in a Honda. Oh, which was also yes. uh, front-wheel drivers. Teammate to Alan Morrison. That's a long time ago. Was, was that a Civic? Civic, yes. But yes. not a Type R. It was, it was a non granny. Yeah. <laughs> when you consider though, L. he dominated what became world touring cars with the, the BMW 320 from the very start uh, yeah exactly well, before I it was even world touring cars uh, moment was when he won the European touring car championship in Dubai yeah 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 He's had some good run outs at Macau as he mentioned and he won again at the Macau at last year in the Cyan, the uh, Lincoln Core car. Um, you know, it, it wasn't easy for him to make the change into 
endurance racing, but I, th- I, I thought he made that transition very well. Mm-hmm. Very well indeed. Yep. And he's proved it down through the years. And I'm, and I'm pleased that whatever you said at the beginning of the show, Tim, so he took you up on that. He he's did not retired. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he was listening in I Guernsey. He used to retire. He's not retiring. <laughs> and, and Seb's a chip off the old block as far as the driving's concerned. Um, I think he'll he'll do very well. Can't wait to see him back. What was he alluding to, by the way, about these championships are taken away from him? Uh, British GT. What did he, what was it? Did he get a ban or something, or a, uh, was it was it a ban or a, or a or a dodgy steward decision? I'll leave that out there. Okay, fair enough. Okay, I didn't realise I was going down difficult waters then. Mm. Yes, um, it, there was the it was uh, it was a difficult couple of championships for. For Seb, where he could easily have been champion, two had two British championships, um, easily have that. But he hasn't let it. Uh, he hasn't become embittered by it, Sebastian. Right. And as I said to Andy there when we had him on the line, very good line from Guernsey, by the way. It's not that um, far away. No, that's yeah, true. And also, that's true. And also. They've got a lot of money in guns, haven't they? <laughs> you were going. So despite the fact I put my hand up to stop you there, you Oh, no, normally, normally you do that for sexually inappropriate stuff, not financially inappropriate. I think he <laughs> say that. He's got his own Guernsey heritage. Uh, no, Jersey. Oh, Jersey. Jersey, oh, Jersey yes. heritage. Yes. I am... I am yeah, he's a Le Breton, aren't you? Le Breton, the, uh, the, the Thomas Le Breton, who was governor of Jersey. Mm. They also uh, have he, uh, lots of money, though. Direct descendant? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lily Le Breton, who better known as Lily Langtree, who was the, uh, the king's mistress. She's a great, great, great aunt. And had an ITV series written about her. Mm. But they glossed over the fact that she was... Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> moving on, moving on. Midweek Motorsports, Series 15, Episode 24, uh, which uh, would normally have been the week after Le Mans, but uh, yes. not yet. We'll have no. to wait a while uh, for that. <laughs> and we'll have a bit of Le Mans news in a, a wee while, at least in the virtual world. Where would you like us to go next? Uh, we had it? Cyril Tushvelen on the show a couple of weeks ago. Yes, we did. And uh, since then, uh, the Asian Le Mans series have announced uh, how successful they were last season um, with massive increases in uh, audience. Yep. Uh, they've done a great job, as we said to him at the time. They, you know, they, they've had a lot to work uh, with uh, and it's been getting better and better in time in terms of the... Uh, certainly uh, in in terms of the depth of the field they brought on the the Asian teams and the Asian talent they've done a great job and uh, Jane Rowe who runs PR Jackie Warnock of course who does all the the socials and everybody who's involved with the both the TV and the web broadcasts the production and uh, uh, the the talent there should certainly be commended they've they've done a good job 25% uh, and, and actually, year on year. Say again? 25% increase year on year. <sighs> That's pretty good, isn't it? Uh, but you know what? In all of that, though, Nick, and it's 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 right to give all those people at, the, at what I would call the cool face, the, the uh, give them some recognition. But you can't make it. It's difficult to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. They've done a great job, but they've had great stories to talk about. Mm. And that's because of the growth and growth of the series. And it's absolutely what the series deserves. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, it, it's come from difficult um, beginnings, um, you know, where they had to struggle through with low car counts and difficult um, calendars. But, you know, they've, they've stuck with it. And, and, you know, if you build it, they will come. And it's now you know, attracting the, the local racers and as well as some of the teams from Europe. 
and it's gone from strength to strength. And yeah, it's got a, it's got a, a shortened and compacted season due to COVID coming up. But I'm sure that'll be equally popular. Yeah, don't disagree uh, with that. Stay in uh, Asia. I've got oh, some go calendar news. Oh, you like that? The Porsche Sports Cup China uh, will start at Zhuhai on the 11th and 12th of July. Yeah, and we were talking about that not so very long ago either we as were. well, weren't we, with the, the guys at uh, Porsche Asia being back at work. A uh, couple of rounds? Yes, because it will conclude on the 31st of October and the 1st of November at Shanghai. So, big uh, mid-season gap for them, but uh, they do have uh, two events uh, in a much shorter 2020 season. And the uh, Porsche Sprint Challenge China uh will also return as support race to that which uh, allows uh, drivers not just the Cayman GT4 but also the 911 GT3, 911 GT2 RS and 911 GT3 R uh, to race in the same race uh, Let's have a few tweets, Neil Gardner fabulous to hear Andy Prio, lucky enough to work with him briefly on a Silverstone drive day way back when, lovely man his success absolutely earned well earned and well deserved Stephen uh, also says brilliant big interview really enjoyed uh, listening to him I thought it was very interesting and a number of you have including Kevin Kane uh, Kevin Payne who says fabulous to hear from Andy and the trials of being a motorsport dad and he knew it himself as well of course as he said there to a difficult uh, a really difficult line to tread uh, thank you for all the lovely words about our download numbers as well. It really is down to you, the collective and the listeners, and for spreading the word. So thank you very much indeed on that. It's not just Midweek Motorsport that's enjoying great download numbers. TRS uh, uh, also tomorrow night from 8 o'clock. Tim will have some details on that in a little while. But at 9 o'clock tomorrow night, it's our weekly doors of Antipodean look yes. at Motorsport. And later on, we'll be joined by Richard Crail to tell us uh, what's going to happen in tomorrow night's show. Uh, quick congratulations to Carlos Sainz. Oh, Senior. Right. Which one? Senior, I was yes. going to say. Uh, he has been bestowed, no less, uh, with the Princess of Asturias Award for Sports. Mm, okay. And what's that? It's an award for, for sports. sports. From well, uh, the Princess it. of Asturias. He certainly does. He, he's had a long career, of course, and um, I think I'm right in saying, wasn't he originally? I may have made this up, but I think he was a squash champion, wasn't he? Wasn't he a racket sports champion of some description? Or have I made that up? I don't no, know. It does sound familiar, actually, but I can't, I couldn't it's verify It's sticking in it. the back of my mind somewhere, but the problem is that every time I learn something new now, something else, else has to fall out. out. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, Midweek Waterford Series 15, episode 24. Where to next, Tim? Uh, get well soon message. To? Jim Roller. Oh, yes. Yes. Now, uh, Jim, obviously, as well as being a uh, motorsport uh, commentator and journalist and TV person for many, many years, uh, has also raced in his time. He's done some single-seaters. He's done quite a lot of rallying. Did a uh, lot he, of rallying, also, yeah. he also played ice hockey, which is a very dangerous sport, and American football, which is a very dangerous sport. Up until today, he'd never broken a bone. Hang on. 
I've just, I, I just congratulated him. I'm taking the Jeep Cherokee. His lovely wife, Grand Cherokee. Be- Grand Cherokee. His lovely wife, wife Betty, and their new RV caravan. Uh, to head down to Hilton Head Island mm. earlier in the week. Don't tell me he's hurt himself whilst he was supposed to be relaxing vooing. No, worse than that. It's well, a tennis Tim accident. Playing his wife. <laughs> well, she won then. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what. He's obviously gone base over apex. Perhaps, perhaps he did it in the stars. He won the game and tried to jump the net. I oh, did that when I was Jim. 17 and fell over the net. But luckily at 17, you heal really quickly. Whatever Jimmy's, Jimmy's not seventy. Little bit longer when you smack things up. There's some good pictures of him. Big cast, lots of little strawberries. Left, left hands, right hand. Oh, I can't Both. The cast's on the oh, left really? hand, but there's a lot oh, of nasty bruising on the right. He's really has. He's obviously managed to completely fall in a completely awkward way, which, in fairness, we've all done. No, indeed. Um, and we should also say best wishes to Paul Trusswell. Yes. Uh, as well. Um, those of you who read his blog will know of his situation uh, at the moment. Uh, some of us here at Radio Shulamit have known for a, a wee while, but obviously respected Paul's uh, wishes to deal with the uh, news and letting the news out in his, his own way. Uh, but Paul, wish you the best. Uh, uh, hopefully things are going well. We're hearing good words from that and we'll bring you uh, and hopefully be able to get uh, Paul on the radio sometime soon. Um, it's I, I I'm almost certain that the reason that Le Mans has actually been cancelled is nothing to postponed. do with COVID. Sorry, postponed. <laughs> it's nothing to do uh, with anything else other than the fact that it clearly can't go on without trusses sitting there like a, for the whole twenty four hours. Now, really, simple as, simple as. Uh, where are we going next, Tim? Uh, we're going to talk about Le Mans, in fact, but not Le Mans, Le Mans, uh, virtual right. Le Mans. Uh, okay. Because this weekend we are covering the iRacing 24 Hours of Le Mans, uh, which, is which follows uh, up the iRacing 24 yes. Hours of the Nurburgring that we did earlier in the year, and is part of yep. a Grand Slam, which also includes the iRacing 24 Hours of Spa, uh, yep. which mm-hmm. I believe is in July, is it? It is the 11th and 12th of July, and will finish this With powered the by iRacing v- Petit Le Mans. Uh, on the 3rd and 4th of October. October. Yeah, this is, it's really interesting. We got involved with the guys from VCO, the Virtual Com- Competition Organisation. Um, actually, just as, or possibly even before lockdown happened, and VCO brings together different stakeholders in eSports, uh, from simulation uh, and gaming platforms, as well as interested partners, uh, Think about active teams, drivers, and other people in the community. It's a it's a rapidly growing sector, and they have brought uh, Nick Damon, and you know this because yeah. you've seen some of the stuff that they have done. Um, professionalism, a focus, a very very broad media presence, uh, including things like you know press uh, press calls, photographs, etc., etc., uh, and. They brought something different in, and it's been recognised by iRacing. Kevin Bobbitt, who's the director of marketing, has said the iRacing 24 Hours of Le Mans, powered by VCO, expected to be one of the largest special events we've ever put on here at iRacing. Let's not just take his word for it, because earlier on today, I spoke to the CEO of RaceBot TV, who's Will Vincent. We've partnered up with them for a couple of these events, and they've been kind enough to let us in 
to their world. And first, I asked him just to give us a little bit of an idea of just what the iRacing 24 Hours means and how big it is in the community. First of all, John, thank you so much for allowing me on Midweek Motorsport. We've got over 2,500 people who will be joining this iRacing 24 Hours of Le Mans. It is one of the biggest events in the sim racing year. In terms of endurance racing, this is it. All the teams want to win the 24 Hours of Le Mans. You guys were gracious enough to let us into your ground for the digital Nürburgring 24, where I think the count was 1,265 teams with a minimum of three drivers per team. So are we looking at more teams than that even in the iRacing 24 Hours of Le Mans? Yes, the 24 Hours of Daytona and the 24 Hours of Le Mans every year kind of go head to head in terms of who's got the biggest numbers. 24 Hours of Daytona is always the easier race. Le Mans is that race that everyone wants to race and we are expecting a huge huge number this weekend we talk about the london marathon uh, and the boston marathon the new york marathon in terms of participation athletics events it allows the people at very much varying talent to get involved in one of the biggest events in the world is this the same sort of thing in terms of participation completely agree and this is the biggest sim racing event of the year and john i'm sure you know jimmy broadbent and of course he is one of the biggest sim racing extraordinaires and last year he won his split and he overtook the official broadcast the race broadcast everything else in terms of viewership and for this event for the sim racers it's a case of this is your chance to shine and for these drivers it's not a case of who wins it's a case of who survives yeah ostensibly from the outside Le Mans doesn't look like a tricky track but it seems to me that every time we talk about the Le Mans 24 hours either full metal or virtual that people say it's always harder than it looks now why is that I think it's because it's the original endurance race and because there's so many fast straights and then you've got yourself so many deep braking zones. You look, for example, down the Moorsine Strait, into Moorsine Corner, for example, down to Indianapolis, the Porsche Curves, which is my favourite piece of racetrack in the world. And then from the Forge Cane down to Tetra Rouge. And it's one of these things, in my opinion, that... Until you've raced Le Mans, you don't understand Le Mans. But as soon as you've yeah. raced Le Mans, you understand it. Are the compromises there in the virtual world, Will, as they would be in the real world? Is that the same? Yes. And, for example, I've been an honorary member for my team. that I used to own a team and I gave it up about five years ago. And in terms of the approach, the fastest teams will always try to maximise their speed down the Moosan and, of course, from that run from Moosan Corner down to Indianapolis and Anage. But most of those teams will try to take the more conservative approach. They will try to figure out, okay, where do I need to make sure that I can survive around the racetrack? So the Porsche curves down to Tetra Rouge is their kind of reference point, I can almost say. Yeah. Let's put everybody right here. This event is not brand new. This event 
the iRacing 24 Hours of Le Mans has been going for, what, five years now? And it was an instant hit when it started five years ago. Yes, and Le Mans was the the moment, I think, that iRacing said, look, this is us, this is endurance. It wasn't the first 24-hour race. We did the first one, ironically. And then the 24 hours of Daytona was the second um, 24-hour race. But then Le Mans came around and... It's been an instant hit, so most of the big teams race it. Now, it's always a weird circumstance because most of the big teams, of course, are running in things like the Porsche Esports Super Cup that is going on at the same time as this event. So it's a little bit more complicated for some of the big teams in terms of them getting their drivers ready for the event, but you still expect to see most of the big teams running. So expect to see Redline, Coanda. Of course, Coanda won with Porsche Esports and that partnership last week in the 24 hours of the month virtual. And expect to see the likes of Inex, Radicals Online, Apex Racing, um, Evolution Racing Team. They are all going to be there or thereabouts. We've become used as well in the last three months, Will, to the race organisers in a number of championships, either doing a pro series or doing a, a pro-am series where the pros are actually the sim racers and the ams are the real world racers and, and jiggling and just tuning their sporting regulations to fit that are we going to see that that this weekend are we going to see some big real world races that our listeners uh, will know they are very much getting uh, used to some of the big names in the sim world i should say like you know max Bonecke, uh alexander voss lauren heinrich all these guys who we see week after week but are we going to see some big real world names in there too i think particularly the guys from bmw so BMW, I think with BMW, the kind of deal they got going with ECO right now and Dazun, etc., they are going to be big. I think they might be running GTE. I can't say that for definite, but we've got the Redline car. I think Beneke is going to be part of a team with Verstappen, Landon Norris, etc. I think they are going to be huge this weekend. And of course, after what happened last Saturday, I think that team are really looking forward to hitting back after a, I'm going to say, disappointing performance. We are going to pair up with you guys again and your hard-working, extremely hard-working Racebot uh, TV crew will be on hand uh, cutting the pictures to make sure that we can see it from our uh, various destinations or various commentary boxes uh, effectively around the uh, UK. That's a huge commitment, Will. What sort of team are you going to be putting into that to get the job done this weekend? Everything we can. And again, you're right, John. It's like doing 24-hour races is... In my opinion, one of the hardest things that we do, and a lot of people look at us and say, okay, you do this race, this race, that race, but a 24-hour race is something completely different. Well, good luck for the weekend. Thanks for joining us. Uh, what we do know is it's going to be another cracking event. Uh, thanks very much uh, for allowing us in, uh, your guys on racebot.tv for the 24-hour iRacing this weekend. Thanks, Sean. This week on the grid, Supercars legend, Hall of Famer, Bathurst champion, 12-hour winner, Fox Sports commentator, and all-round good guy, Craig Lowndes, is our special guest. The Red Bull Holden Racing Team driver talking all things Sydney Supercars and how he thinks the return to racing will play out. 
Porsche Michelin Junior Jordan Love is on the show to talk about finally getting his highly anticipated European adventure underway as he gets to head overseas and commence his Porsche Super Cup campaign this week. Then we chat all things scheduling and the various permutations of what may be on the horizon as the supercar schedule continues to be somewhat fluid. It's on the grid, your Aussie look at motorsport. It's on RS1. It's at 9pm UK time on Thursday night. It's Richard Krill and before that will be Tora. Uh, Tim has some details of that. Thanks to Will Vincent for uh, joining us earlier today and on Saturday by the way before you tweet in on Saturday we'll be on the air at just after half past one UK sound vision live timing uh, just after half one UK Nick Damon Bruce Jones and myself as, as well as the race spot TV guys taking yep. you through the ice I racing 24, and you're going to be racing again, so we'll get the driver's eye view. Yeah, you won't see me, though, because I'll be mired down in probably split 21 or something. So Joe and I are back in our team again. And, uh, yeah, we did, it's, it's a, done a lot of practice, done a lot of laps. Um, uh, what Will was saying is is very accurate. There's a real balance to be held between ultimate top-line speed and actually having a thing that's not going to try and bite you around any particular corner. But... Uh, um, I've also, for, my, for the delectation of the listeners, I've actually tried all three classes, so I shall, I shall tell you what they're all like to drive during the broadcast. And what have you seen in, I mean, it's open practice sessions, yes. and what Will was saying when he talked to me earlier on today is, we will lightly wipe the floor with that 1,265 teams oh, uh, no. that we had at the Nürburgring. What are you expecting? Let me say, when, the, in iRacing, there's kind of an, a thing called hosted, and, you, and everyone who wants to host an event, it's all hosted on servers, which is why it works so well. It's not hosted on your own computer. They're all hosted on proper, you know, well, business that's grade service. USP, exactly. Isn't it? Yeah. So you look down at there, there's a trail, hundreds of things. When Nurburgring, there were about 20, 20 at the top max people practiced. And last night I counted 69 um, people doing tests. Some of them open, some of them closed, some of them all the classes, some of them just one class uh, for Le Mans. There's also a Le Mans series. It's a Le Mans series which runs the whole time. And yeah. The first round of Le Mans series was in um, Silverstone. I entered one of those and they had 40 entries for that one. Uh, I entered the one this week, which was for Le Mans, and had 227 entries. Wow. And that's just, that's just one thing that happens every two hours. It's just practice. And, and everyone's practicing like mad. Now, you're in... LMP2. We'll be the HPD. Yeah, because we could see. Yeah, no roof, because <laughs> it's the HPD Acura, of course. Uh, and you're running the Radio Show Limited colours again? Uh, I think we're running, I'm not sure. We're running Sport 21 colours. Oh. Um, we've, we've, we've received some noodles and ice cream from uh, from Jim JM. Lippmann, right. Um, yeah, so no, I the, hope there's going to be an RSL logo on there somewhere. I will certainly make sure there is. I, um, I know that Drew Adamson, who's been helping us out massively with the IMSA Pro Series from iRacing, He's running in an RSL. He might be car. run. I mean, I, I'm not. Don't forget again. There's two starts as well for uh, for the. Ah, uh, uh, yes, he might, he might not be running the European. He might be in, in the in the other in the in the Australian uh, American start. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. Anyway, anyway that's Saturday. It's Join all going, you. and the big one is the one we're covering, and the uh, for the top split is all the invites, and they are going to look good. Cause Invitations. They've all, yes. they've all done their special logos, and they're all being. Uh, it's going to. No, I think it's really, really interesting, and, and you know, it 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 should be both a visual feast and uh, hopefully a competitive feast. 
Uh, and Tim, it is uh, well before we leave virtual racing. It is Thursday t- tomorrow, uh, so we we have got TRS. Uh, whose turn is it tomorrow night? It's the American one, uh, which probably explains why they haven't sent me any synopsis of uh, what's going to be on, apart from the fact it's at eight o'clock. Right, uh, it, it is going to be Big Ben and yes. LS, of course. Uh, Lewis Satterley joined by Aero HD to talk about drifting Ooh. in the esports world. I've literally just had an indication from Darren Wood, who does our paint job, there will be RSL logos on the car. Thank you, Darren. <laughs> He's listening in. Yes. So that's another listener. Well <laughs> well done. Uh, last 15 minutes or thereabouts of Midweek Motorsport Series 15, episode 24. Thank you for all the very kind words that we're getting from you tonight on At Specutainment. Uh, Dave Alcock, among many, great to hear, Asian Le Mans Series had a 25% uplift. Shows that great racing... Great coverage and a good online presence on the socials leads to an increase in fan numbers. Interesting to hear they're doing uh, great when NASCAR and other series, including Formula One, are not increasing their viewership. I suppose you get to a plateau eventually, but yeah, no, I'm yeah, not going to Yeah, dis- I mean, Formula One's had a massive um, uptick in social media uptake since, well, obviously since Bernie stopped considering social media to be the devil. But they've, they've been the, by, by far the fastest growing. Uh, series and socials, even in percentage terms, not just in pure number terms. Uh, it's Tim Gray, Nick Damon and me, John Hindhoff. Tim is our executive producer. Uh, he is up in London. Uh, and just a quick note about t- later on tonight. Stay tuned at 10 o'clock. Uh, we'll have a replay of the last football rewind that was on at the weekend. Uh, we had an awful lot of live racing, so we felt it was only fair to give it another airing uh, this week, and it's about the joy and pain of being a Wigan fan. Mm. Still, the only club who have ever won the FA Cup and been relegated in the same season. And appropriate enough, as we're back into soccer in the UK. That's the football rewind with Declan Brennan and his special guest coming up straight after this show on RS1 tonight. Tim, where next? Uh, we're going to look at some two wheeled action now. Or oh, <laughs> so it's hurrah, hooray for Formula One, and oh. In a sort of carry-on camping way, yes. is it? <laughs> I, I fear, really, I should have a jingle for this. Really? Do the I two-wheel have jingle? Is it, is it two-wheel handy? Wednesday? Is it something to do with um, your, the Court of Arbitration for Sport? Is it? It's not the Court of Arbitration for Sport, but, but it, Crown is, Court. Uh, it is Crown Court. I don't have it. I've got Van der Valk for some reason. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm always happy to hear eye level. Mm-hmm. Very so good. Simon, Simon Park, composer, you know. Simon Park. Yeah, absolutely, mm. yes. Anyway, moving on. No, we're carrying on. From the world. Oh, not that one. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's not no, even still playing not Van that one. Yeah. All right, OK, like go Van on. Uh, I can do it for you. No, no, really, John. Uh, so, two <laughs> Spanish newspapers, uh, yes. ABC and Marca, yes, right. uh, have uh, printed some stories this week. Oh, uh, well, I'm, I'm sure they're all 100 percent true. They're contradictory, so one of them is not. Uh, <laughs> Perhaps both aren't. ABC uh, states that the Spanish prosecutor is seeking a 24-year prison term and 12 million euro fine. Uh, against Cito Pons. Yes, I saw that. For yeah, tax, yeah, evasion tax evasion. At a time mm, when he didn't live in Spain. Yes. Hopefully he didn't live in Italy, because they're even more severe. Uh, he didn't also live in Italy at the time. Uh, he lived in Monaco for the first two years of the period, and uh, the UK for the 
subsequent three. As he said in a statement published by Marker, uh, which mm. reads... The accusation made by the Public Prosecutor's Office against our client is based on the erroneous assumption that Mr. Pons would have actually resided in the Principality would not have actually resided in the Principality of Monaco until 2012, nor in the United Kingdom as of that year, but in Spain, and therefore that is where you had to pay your taxes. However, Mr. Pons actually resided in Monaco until 2012, and thereafter in the United Kingdom, as evidenced from the outset by certificates issued for this purpose by the authorities of the respective countries. As our courts have established, the mere possession of these certificates of fiscal residence for another state are sufficient to rule out the commission of a fraud to the public treasury. Uh, so why are they why are they pursuing it then? Because they want his twelve million euros or nine million euros, or whatever it was, you know, twelve but million is euros. Simple, is that simple to do, uh, to dismiss? It's a, it seems a bit ridiculous, isn't it? Yes, they haven't dropped so the charges really though. Well, it's a good day for lawyers, then, isn't it? Uh, back on to driving news and uh, oh, what's going on with right Paul Espargaro? Paul Espargaro, um, oh, he's um, he's going to he's going to f he's going to sign for Honda, or is he? Or is year. he? Or is he not? Yeah. Or Ducati? Oh, it, or Ducati? Yeah. And they well, they said that um, Danilo Petrucci, who's definitely been dropped by Ducati, is is sniffing around KTM. Yes. Um, which means that they think that he's going to go somewhere. Um, yeah, KTM it's, it's haven't ruled out Espargaro either, though. Well, no, he's, he's, it's, it's very nice for him. He's doing absolutely no riding, but he's suddenly the man in demand. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's... Well, that's what happens when you're available, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there seems to be this concept that Alex Marquez, that's the brother of, of Mark, isn't up, to the, isn't up to snuff, which is a bit interesting because there's been no races. Um, so it's on the back, I think, of three I think testing you've got to say days. he's not as good as his brother. Yeah, but that's the same. But we don't, uh, that's but we don't know on. yet. Wait a second. That's every single ride in the paddock, apart from Valentino Rossi 11 years ago. He's not as good as his brother. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not their own brother, I mean. Uh, Mark, Mark yes. is. Yes, it's that, that's, that's not a judge. You can't. Are you as good as a man who is probably, if not the equal, the best rider of the modern era? No. Well, he may be the best. He may yet be the best rider of any era and mm, I know how difficult it is to no, compare I, don't, you can't, I, don't, I, I think it's even harder with bikes than it is, than it is with because cars. of the difference in technology yeah and you, you actually have a completely different riding style it's like yeah. leaning off the bikes and everything else yes agreed but when you it hasn't exactly been there hasn't exactly been a dearth of talent out there in the last few years there have been some good riders and, and Rossi whilst he's Obviously, Star is, is waning. He's mm -hmm. still good. There's still other good riders out there. But Marquez has just been head and shoulders. Mm. Uh, and I'm not a Marquez fan by any stretch, although I'm warming I'm, to him. No, I'm, I'm, I'm cooling to him. Are you? He got That's very petulant last year. He didn't need to be. Yes, he did. That's um, right. However, you cannot deny his remarkable talent. The one thing he needs to do, he doesn't need to do it, one thing I'd like to see him do is do it for another factory. Yes, I, I agree. mean, he doesn't need to do it. He doesn't need to do anything. He's multiple world champion and will almost certainly eclipse the numbers. I think it's very, very hard to, to look away from the achievements of people like Giacomo Agostini and, you know, in sheer... And, and certainly, um, Longevity as well. And, and also some of the guys, um, I'm sorry, the names have escaped me, some of the guys who were just unbelievable on the small bikes in, in years well, gone by. yes, as we were talking um, about a couple of weeks ago, which, yes. Again, was a completely different style of riding, and it wasn't 
like it is now, where you progress from, you know, from Moto3 to Moto2 to Moto2. It, it was a completely different thing. And certain riders would never be given a 500 ride, but could win Correct. the 125 championship every year. It was totally different. Um, and that's why I think, I mean, you know, if we really sit down and think about it, who is the greatest motorcycle racer of all time? It's the same answer as who is the greatest Grand Prix driver of all time. It's both of them. Is John Surtees, because he won both. Ooh, <laughs> like that. Sir John Surtees, as I always like to call him. Uh, let's move on, unless you've got any more two-wheeled news, Tim. Got some uh, World Superbike news. Excellent. Let's do that. Calendar quickly. at last? No. Don't be oh. ridiculous. Uh, Sorry. It's uh, going to restart soon um, at a and venue that they haven't announced yet. I'm really sure we had this exact it. conversation last week. It could be two weeks ago. Yeah. Is that really what the press release says? We'll no. restart soon. Because MotoGP did actually produce a calendar this week, didn't they? Another one, yes. Because they with, already with, had. Where they give, because they've given the names to the double headers, didn't they? Yes. They're also having a Styrian Grand Prix, and then they're having. Because um, they've got 112 Grand Prix in. Um, Spain. Spain. They are really having to make up names. I think they've got the Communitat de Valencia Grand Prix, and they've got yeah. the. Um, I think the other one that Valencia is called um, Manuel's Fish and Chips Grand Prix because it's the only thing left that hadn't got a Grand Prix named after it. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite like that. Um, all right. Can we rattle through a few other things while we're on? Let me actually do this. Uh, Moto G- oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, sorry, World Superbike story. Before I, thought, I thought that was it. Take it. No. <laughs> Nick <laughs> asked a question and I sadly answered it. Uh, yep. Alvaro Bautista <laughs> believes yes. he's going to win the championship. The Does he? Yes. Not not necessarily what, this year. One? Oh, right. Okay. I see. But he says, uh, we've got a really strong factory behind me. I'm going to be world champion. It's just a question of time. I don't know if it'll be this season or next season, but for sure we're pushing for that. It's my target and it's Honda's target. Why didn't he win last year then? When it was handed to He was on Ducati oh, last that, year, wasn't he? That... He was never, 69 points ahead. Never. He was more than that, wasn't he? He was 80-something ahead. He was something ahead. And then, yeah, it was a, it was a so don't, let's let, never let the truth stand in the way of a good press release. I mean, in fairness, know no, I'm sure he is a very talented rider. And if he, and if he, and if he can actually keep his head in, in gear for an entire season, yes, he has every chance of doing it. There are a couple of issues that are going to stop him. And, and one of the main ones is a Northern Irish man called Johnny Ray. Mm. Even though he's not leading the championship at the moment. Of one of the few ra- champions that actually had a race. Yeah. It's the first time he hasn't been leading the championship in living memory. <laughs> uh, and he's not led it for months. No, and he's exactly. He's hung uh, around not leading the, lead the championship for months now. Hasn't led the championship since last season or something. Mm. Uh, uh, Johnny Ray up. believes that the uh, championship will restart at the beginning of August. And uh, in view of that, he's going to Misano to uh, do two weeks of testing there. And then after that, he's going to Mont Mayo for another test. And, what, and what's his opinion about Alvaro about his to be the champion then? Uh, he obviously hadn't read that press release. Oh, um, what a blow! But uh, but there's no clues to where the championship uh, will happen um, or when it will happen, other than first weekend of August in Europe, says Johnny Ray. Uh, some travel news for you, um, well, or not travel news? <laughs> uh, this might well affect. Motorsport, it will affect motorsport. The Tourism Minister for Australia says Australian borders are likely to stay closed until 2021. Not lifted for general travel anytime soon. Uh, quote, I do sadly think that in terms of open tourist-related travel in and out of Australia, it remains some distance off, uh, says the Australian Tourism Minister, Senator Birmingham. Uh, just because the practicalities of the volume that are involved in the need for us to first and foremost keep putting health first 
very likely that the borders won't open until next year. And uh, even uh, the proposed air bridge, if you will, or the Trans-Tasman Bridge between Australia and New Zealand, those plans are being held up by state border closures still in Australia. And although some international students are going to be led back into Oz from next month as uh, uh, part of a uh, pre-approved pilot uh, program, there's still no thought that we can get things. Now, why is that important? Because, of course, uh, Bathurst and the 12 hours, the international uh, GT championship uh, relies on an awful lot of international travel. That's February next year, and that is already starting to get tight because people will want to put... Uh, cars into containers and start thinking of getting them there and clearly they won't want to do that until and unless they know. Tim Gray has one more before I squeeze in the final story. Uh, we're going, well my final story is Formula E. Oh no, that's fine I was going to mention that. Ah, uh, who have announced a we'll calendar. we always have Berlin. Yeah, a calendar to conclude their season with six races the first of which will be at uh, Tempelhof Airport in Berlin uh, followed by another race at Tempelhof Airport in Berlin uh, mm-hmm. then they're going to race at Tempelhof Airport in Berlin Tempelhof yeah. Airport in Berlin Tempelhof mm-hmm. Airport in Berlin and finally yep. Berlin's Tempelhof Airport uh, for the conclusion of their you know season what? all these all these races in Berlin it's taking my breath away very good I see what you did there uh, they're not going to race necessarily on the the same circuit though, and that's the advantage of 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 that that particular place. It's a bit like a big scale electric set, isn't it? Uh, you've got three different layouts that they're going to use. Uh, so, and it's in nine. Is it in nine? Did I read it? Was it ver- nine version days? version A for the first two, version B for the next two, and then version, version C. Version C by any chance? Oh, there we are. The uh, conclusion <laughs> of that championship. It's dynamic the linkage there, isn't it? And, uh, and are we going to call them the THF Grand Prix, which is the IATA code for Templehof? It's very good. Yeah. I like that. THF1, THF2. Or if, uh, but the other code is EDDI, so that could be another one. It's the uh, German E-Prix, the uh, Berlin E-Prix, the uh, Templehof E-Prix. Uh, you could call it the uh, Checkpoint Charlie EP. That's, that's one of I think probably not Berlin. nowadays. Oh no, you know you could do that one. That what was that film? That Tom Hanks film set in Berlin. That was good. That was um, Brandenburg. Uh, no, Brandenburg no. Gate EP. No, no. But the one that you're talking about yeah, was, the, was the one the, about on the, the bridge. When the about bridge. the spy from South Shields. Yeah, with uh, Mark thingy. Um, that, Mark that's that's whereabouts in Germany excellent. Berlin is, isn't it? Although yeah, it's kind um, of an autonomous well, area well, within What's impressive is we've actually we've actually managed to exhaust our Berlin knowledge in about four races, so we, we are not going to be in the namings division, are we? <laughs> no. Uh, the Hertha Berlin GP. There we are. <laughs> Hertha Berlin. Yes. Uh, what was what was that called? That's really going to annoy me. Now, uh, never mind. Eve will be shouting it up from downstairs. She's our. It was really good. It, it was very. It was beautifully underacted by Mark Rylands. That's what he does. In that, it's all for a Bridge of spies. Actor. Bridge of spies. Bridge of spies. Well done. There it was. No, I finally saw, found what I was looking for, uh, and I say you too did as well. Uh, that's it for this week's midweek motorsport. Stick tuned for uh, Declan Brennan and the football re-line, uh, rewind. Wigan, the only. Soccer club in the UK ever to have won the FA Cup and then been relegated in the space of a handful of days 
joy and disaster. Well, that's what being a football fan's all about. Uh, join the guys tomorrow for the Toro Radio Show at 8 on the grid at 9. And we'll be back on Saturday with the iRacing Le Mans 24 from just after half past one in the UK. No time to explain. Well, the Llama is off to three different parts of Berlin. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.